Hello, lovelies. This is Arden Marine, and you may know me from Chelsea Lately or as Regina Sinclair on Insatiable. I want to tell you about my podcast, Will You Accept This Rose, where we recap all the seasons of the Bachelor franchise, and we are very excited to talk about the new season of The Bachelor with Matt James. We chat about it with celebrity guests, including Lance Bass, Doug Benson, and Lacey Mosley. Catch our episodes every Wednesday and listen to Will You Accept This Rose on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us on this love journey. To some, he's Ziggy Stardust. To others, the Thin White Duke. Or Major Tom. But who is David Bowie really? To answer that, we'll have to go Off the Record. Off the Record is a new music biography podcast. Every season profiles one legendary artist. To start, we'll explore the faces of David Bowie. Each episode tells the story of one of his iconic personas. Together, they form an intimate portrait of the complex cultural giant. Listen and follow Off the Record on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Serious Rap Shit is a production of iHeartRadio. Me and my friend take his rap shit Yo, 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 yo. Mic check. One, two. Episode uh, 162. <laughs> My bad. Episode 162. I was legitimately, usually I cat, but I'd be like, oh, what episode is this? Like a thing. But uh, I legitimately, for a sec, like, you know, brain farted and didn't know what episode it was. It's all good, man. You got big things coming this week, dog. So, yeah, man. You, you know, know what I mean? Trying to do my thing, trying to do my writing thing. So, yeah, you know, episode 162, Serious Rap Shit Podcast. I'm John, your host. I'm Josh, your other host. And, yeah, we, we about to get busy. Uh, what's 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 been going on with you, Josh? Um, not much, man. I think we should start the episode talking about what you got coming this week. We mentioned it at the end of the last episode, but, you know, there's times I'm sure people don't listen all the way through once we start rapping. So, yeah, yeah. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about Especially when we tell people Yo turn the, the podcast off Yes exactly yes <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I did say that last week So 20 minutes afterwards um, Yeah cause this will actually This episode will drop the day Your ebook drops Yeah 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 I'm, uh, I worked on an ebook With the publisher Halfway Books uh, It's on the Roots Major label debut do you want more? Uh, it came out in 1994, and yeah, it's really like, you know, it really goes in depth about how the album was made, you know, and then this uh, really interesting period between the time they turned the album in, they turned it in uh, in the spring, I want to say in April of 1994, and then they uh, jetted to london and they stayed in london for a while uh playing gigs and you know absorbing like all of this music that was happening in london in 1994 and then they came back and you know released this record into the world that's since uh going on to be like a classic definitely a philly hip-hop classic and yeah I, i the the piece that i wrote really i like context 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? When I'm writing stuff, I like to give like historical context and like cultural context. So the piece is definitely about the roots. It's definitely about do you want more? But it's also about Philly uh, jazz radio in the 90s. You know what I mean? WRTI, Temple's radio station. Around the time that the roots got together, they brought in all of these like young DJs who were playing like fusion and like avant-garde jazz and all of this shit that you wouldn't hear you know on like traditional like Mm -hmm. uh you know mainstream jazz radio and that that one of those uh shows one of those djs that uh had a show on wrti was rich nichols who would end up being the roots manager Mm -hmm. and quest love was a fan of his show so you know you also had like the Philly rap scene at the time that, you know, Black Thought and Malik B were obviously like ingrained in. So it's, it, it gives and then, you know, the stuff that happened in London. So I'm, I'm really giving, you know, like a um, multi-layered look at the different scenes and like musical movements that kind of shaped what do you want more would turn out to be. So it's about 3000 words, the piece. And if you want to get like a copy of it, it's ten bucks. It's on my uh, website. If you go to John Morrison two one five dot com, and you look under the little buy stuff button, it'll take you to my Gumroad page, mm-hmm. and then you could just buy a copy then, and you'll get it today when this episode comes out, December first. Yeah, um, it's also in our Linktree bio. Mm-hmm. On uh, on the serious rap shit page on um, Instagram, you can go right into the link tree bio. It has do you want more link on there, um, the book link. Uh, also on my individual, well, my my link tree on my page is from my individual Instagram is just the same one for serious rap shit. Yeah. So you can go right on there and order from there. Um, I loved first. I rem- I remember feeling like when I listened to the root for do I listen to Do You Want More the first uh, originally, it feels like a jazz record more than yeah. even like a hip hop record. A lot of times, I mean, like, like he's like thought scatting on that shit. Like yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of that shit is like mad jazz. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even the uh, a lot of the, the guest musicians that show up, uh, Rufus Harley, who's like uh, from North Carolina, but he lived in North Philly a lot of his life uh, playing bagpipes on mm-hmm. the title track. Steve Coleman uh, plays saxophone on it. Graham Hayes, the great uh, jazz trumpeter, plays on it. They they really were bringing in like hardcore jazz musicians to yes. play on this rap record. And you that, feel it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And then usually when that sort of thing happened, like you have Ron Carter who played on low end theory, you know what I'm saying? Like you usually, it would be like the hip hop group would make a beat and they would get a jazz musician to come in and kind of play some flavor on top of it. This record, uh, quest and hub and Scott Storch are really playing with these jazz musicians. It's not like, yo, we made a beat come in and just play like a solo like how Nas's dad Oludara That's the first thing does. I was thinking about yeah you know yeah. what I mean he just you know he he kind of comes in at the end of Life's a Bitch and he plays a solo yes with 
do you want more on songs like uh, Mellow My Man, for example, Quest breaks into like a swing jazz beat. Yes. And then they're just playing on top of that shit. It's really it's 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 really different from you know what diggable planets or it felt more you know, organic than that kind of stuff. Right. Right. It's it's different than than what other groups had done, you know, up to that point. It really I remember listening to it when it came out and thinking like, "Oh, okay, you can like I wasn't thinking about you know, Stetsasonic or other, you know, live instruments, you know, in hip hop sort of things that happened in mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s with me. Hip hop was as a kid. It was just, you know, chopping up samples, making beats. I remember yeah, when Do You Want More came out and being like, oh, you can really like play this shit and make it that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, when the Fuji's the score blew up mm. and I just remember so much mainstream like the Rolling Stone and shit like that like mainstream publications not like hip hop orient orientated publications talking about like oh well, they're like a they're a they're a hip hop band and blah yeah. blah blah and being like real angry because I'm like fucking Roots are a hip hop band like you know what I mean like right. why are they not getting the love and I don't know if that was just like a Philly thing like mm-hmm. you know what I mean of being like fuck that like like the roots deserve that love they were a hip hop band yeah um uh so like yeah they were it, it was it felt so much more organic in how it was like fed through that album you know what yeah. I mean um shout out to Shea Sharania because how he described it and I saw you retweet it of how like he's like basically like if you ever see a GoPro strapped to an eagle flying through there, some <laughs> shit. However, he said that shit, and it was just like essentially is like how like you wrote this piece of like he you like people being able to essentially like being a fly on the wall. Yeah, like you watching. feel like you're yes, you feel like you're, you're in, in the in there as they're creating this album and then watching it while waiting for it to be like released as on. On Geffen, yeah. So this this shit is like, you know, something that I'm curious about. Like, I'm like I've always um, thought about how uh, records sound and how they were made to sound like they, you know, ended up sounding. Do you want more? Is really unique in a lot of ways, but uh, in particular, I'm thinking about uh, really like the 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 sonic character of it you know what i mean like if you listen to other bands from that time i don't know like mint condition or something like a r&b band mm-hmm. from around that same time a lot of their music sounds like really clean right do you want more they had distortion the static the distortion the static drums you could loop that right now you know what i mm-hmm. mean like it sounds like a break almost from a record like it has like this grimy texture to it and i interviewed uh for this piece i interviewed david ivory who recorded the record like david ivory recorded it here in philly at sigma and bob power mixed it uh at battery i think uh in new york Mm -hmm. so they were experimenting uh ivory told me that they were experimenting trying to make shit sound weird you know what I mean? And make it kind of sound 
different than the standard like what like a 90s r&b or like a smoother jazz band would have sound sounded like at the time so even like like if you listen to lazy afternoon where black thought is rhyming and you hear like the ad libs in the background the ad libs are like they sound like they're coming in through like a telephone Mm -hmm. and they got like this weird like echo on it they did a bunch of like weird little sonic things like that to distinguish themselves from you know all the other bands that were out at the time you know what i mean so that shit it like you can listen to it and i've listened to it obviously like over and over throughout the decades and even sitting down and writing this thing listening to it for hours in headphones i'm still hearing new shit and i'm like damn i listened to this record thousands of times in the Mm. 90s you know what i mean and i'm still catching little like nuances and shit it's like a a record it's a record that's perfect for you to write about and explore because it's like it's like layered and it has so much shit to it yeah i one thing that i think um another reason i don't think they get like the roots in general don't get like the um the love they deserve in a lot of aspects is like if you talk about a group that's like oh they kept like evolving and changing as they Mm -hmm. went along like the first thing people think about is like oh outcast like they completely changed like album to album to album yeah and that's no shot at outcast i love outcast um but like go listen to do you want more and then listen to illadelph half-life yeah like that is a change in how they approach the record because yeah. it's like it's one thing to be like oh well they got you know things got better or things sounded cleaner blah blah blah, blah. there's a different approach to that record much like outcast right. took different approaches to their records mm-hmm. you know what i mean um there's a legit different approach from do you want more illadelph half-life to uh uh things fall uh, apart things fall apart yeah um there's a legit different approach when you go into when they went into these albums to like like what we're going to do how this is going to sound yeah um like do you want more is very much um you know we're like a hip-hop band you know what i mean and you can hear us playing all of this music Mm -hmm. illadelph half-life sounds like the fucking beat miners produced it (laughs) yes exactly yeah you know what i'm saying like that shit it's like you know it's like grimy and filtered and the drums are like programmed and they or at least they feel programmed i would have to like actually talk with yeah, yeah. <laughs> quest love and, and really get like the science on how they did a lot of that shit but a lot of this shit i know is programmed and sampled because um like clones that drum break from clones is a break record like that's mm-hmm. some shit from i can't i'm i'm picturing the cover but i can't think of the name of the artist but it's like a, a jersey like rock band that they sampled those drums from mm-hmm. so a lot of that shit is sampled but some of it is played is is really a completely different like you said like a completely different approach to making the record and then when they did things fall apart they completely flipped it again yes <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. it's like almost every record they kind of come at like a different kind of angle, which yeah. you know who's done that for you know the past 
25 years or whatever it's been. Yeah, and like I said, I, that's not a like, oh, well, you know, the, you should get that credit over outcast. No, I'm making the comparison, the idea that, yeah. like, you know, no one thinks about that with the roots, but go listen to their first three albums and you see a completely different, you know, completely different records um, and different ways to approach making a, a record as a collective. Yeah. Um, and it continued past that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all their records sound very different. I mean, right. they got super, you know, when Soulquarians was big doing their thing, like, the record sounded like that. Then when you right. had, you know, they started fucking with Cody Chestnut, next thing you know, like, the record sounds like that. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, these records, yeah. yeah, like, these records continue to evolve and change. And yeah. I don't think they get enough uh, credit as a group for being in that same vein. Like, yeah. oh, these dudes, like, changed. And they were willing to change and continue to grow. You know what I mean? I would venture to say that, you know, even outside of like them being a live band who can play anything, like literally anything, you know yes. what I mean? And they do that like on TV every night, you know what I mean? If, if you know, Paul Simon shows up and they're like, yo, we want you to play with Paul Simon, they just do it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Even outside of that, just on record and thinking about their catalog I, I can't think maybe Radiohead. I can't think of another band from our generation that has been that broad musically as far as like experimentation. Like Sonic Youth, you know, tried different things over, you know, however thirty or forty years, however long they've been around. Um is 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 closer to 40 than 30 but um sonic youth pretty much maintained the same formula it's like noise avant-garde meets punk you know what i mean the roots have done like water water sounds like fela kuti um mm-hmm. you know a song like dynamite sounds like dilla and slum village you know what i mean Illadelph Half-Life sounds like the beat miners. Undone sounds orchestral. You know what I mean? Like there's there I can't think of a band that has that much music, different kind of like varied styles of music filtered through their own like it all sounds like them. Mm-hmm. But all of those different, you know, things that they've been able to tackle. The song that they did, I can't think of the uh, the title of it, but the song that they did with Amiri Baraka is a drum and bass song. You know what I mean? The end of You Got Me is a jungle drum and bass song. Yeah. You know what I mean? No band, not that, I, I wouldn't even say Radiohead. You know what I mean? I can't think of a band of our generation that's done that much. And he, I don't think true. that they really, yeah, I don't think that they really get uh, credit for for just how much music that uh, they they've been able to master over the years. Yeah, no, they they are, um, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, thoughts under underrated as far as being an MC. Like, you know, Philly, you you know, a lot of people in Philly be like, oh, no, he's the best. Yeah, yeah, um, he's the goat. But, you know, outside of that, you know, that's not like a, a you know, in hip hop circles, it's it's generally thought of. But like outside of like people who, 
you know, do this shit and cover this shit for a living, it's not necessarily um, popular um, idea. I don't think that they're, I think they're underrated as far as what they've been able to do musically. And like you said, the genres they've been able to cross into and still all feels like fucking hip hop. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, it doesn't, like, even when they experiment with different things, it doesn't feel like, oh, this isn't hip hop anymore. They're, you know, and this isn't a shot at Everlast, but, you know, they didn't make a fucking folk record. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. you, like they didn't, like, make such a hard left that it's now a folk record. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, you know, they were able to still make all that shit be a fucking hip hop record. Yeah. I, so. I think that that's, and we can uh, jump out into a break after this but I, yeah i think that that's um their ability to synthesize all of this music and all of these different influences into something that you know like you said feels very much hip-hop and feels very much like themselves is what separates them from a lot of bands that incorporated rap with other forms of music like no one would ever really seriously say that like Limp Biscuit is hip hop. No, 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 you know no. what I mean. That shit feels like y'all are a metal band and you have rap, you know, it as an the nookie. <laughs> you know what I'm the saying yeah. as like an added, yes. you know, element or whatever. But or even you know, uh, what's what's that? Um, the hell is the name of that other group? Uh, with a uh, yeah, well, them and uh, what's what's my man? They did the crossover record with Jay Z. Oh yeah, uh, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Like, they got a DJ scratching and a dude rhymes every once in a while, but they're not a hip-hop group. Like, right, you know right, what I right. mean? Right. Like, they legit, like, you know, they got a singer and a dude that rhymes, and I still don't go like, oh, yeah, like, you know what I mean? They're yeah, yeah, a fucking hip-hop. hip-hop group. You know what I, I think mean? One of them dudes, I think the DJ would have, like, an NPC on stage, too. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, that yeah. dude used to be like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like in my head, I can see a video of him like banging on a fucking NPC, on a fucking beat machine. Yeah, yeah. Go to two thousands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a wild time, yo. Jay Z legit did a crossover record with them dudes. <laughs> Cash in, baby. I ain't mad at you. Do what you need to do. Talk to you about that off camera. You know <laughs> <laughs> I be hearing uh, that shit a lot. um yeah why don't we hop into a break uh when we come back we'll talk a little bit again about uh uh somebody from outcast yeah yeah uh uh, yeah we'll be right back word i'm robert evans host of behind the bastards and it could happen here and boy it does seem to be happening here I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So, if you are as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What do explorers, an army officer, and a Minnesota insurance salesman have in common? They all wanted to be the first to reach the North Pole, but only one of them made it. I'm Kat Long, science editor at Mental Floss and host of the new podcast, The Quest for the North Pole, which dives into the centuries-long race to explore the Arctic, find the Northwest Passage, and conquer the top of the world. With a cast of daring adventurers and some pretty determined amateurs, the race to the pole reveals the human desire to solve mysteries of geography and the soul. We'll look at the important Arctic expeditions that filled the blank spaces on the map and recognize how indigenous people made them successful. We'll examine what pushed explorers to venture ever farther into the unknown and uncharted, and how the climate crisis is changing the Arctic today. Listen to The Quest for the North Pole every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Boom, right back in effect. Um, so, you know, I love Young Thug. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I fuck with him highly. Um, I've been trying to suppress my anger at how... <laughs> The uh the internet has been roasting my guy for the last couple days because he said that um I think I guess he he appeared on Ti's podcast and Ti said to him like yo you know what you need to do you need to link with Andre and do some music with him and Thug basically was like oh well you know I don't really rock with Andre this is this is how I interpreted it. Cause like like uh, Ti basically said, "Oh nigga, you'll do a song with Elton John. You need to do a song with yeah. Andre." And as Thugger explained it, he was like, "Elton John, it's <laughs> so crazy how he phrased this shit." He said, "Elton John is a kiss your ass nigga. Andre is a kiss my ass nigga." So I don't know if he tried to like reach out to Andre before. Mm-hmm. And Andre kind of was like not as accessible, but he said Elton John was real like, oh yeah, you know I'm a fan. Da 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 da. So I guess that's the kind of energy Thug yeah. needs in order for you know him to want to work with him. But yeah, he basically was like, you know, oh, I'm not really uh, feeling Andre like that. And Twitter has been annihilating Lighting my man. him up. Yes, <laughs> lightness. That seems to be the theme of 2020 you say some ill shit twitter gonna light you up but that was the theme of last year too. yes um no i do uh listen man my my whole thing and like we, we've had this discussion before in the sense that like yo he don't gotta like dre like if he just doesn't like him as a rapper he don't gotta like it. like whether it's the consensus of like yo he fucking dre is one of the best best down south rapper ever whatever you want to say yeah great but that doesn't mean everybody's gotta like him and also like yo thugger might just not like dude or just not liked his music like maybe he was into other maybe he was more into ugk than he was into fucking outcast like you know is that and like you said or simple and plain maybe like you said he tried to reach out to dude before and And dre was kind of like wishy-washy with shit or just being like hey listen you need to like tell me how great i am for me to do this record with you get on the joint yeah or like 
how about fucking when was the last time we heard a possible Dre verse that was supposed to be on the Nas record? And I think the last one before that was the Walk It Out. Like, yeah, like I mean, what? <laughs> you know, I love Andre, and I feel like he he deserves like all the flowers, mm-hmm. all the appreciation. He's he's a fucking brilliant human being. Mm-hmm. I also feel like the mythology of Andre, a lot of cats is doing a lot with that. You know what I mean? I feel like, um, cause you, you know, he shows up every now and again and he like, he kicked that shit. Yeah. So he, he earns, you know, he earns the love that he gets, you know what I mean? But it's, I, man, motherfuckers still talking about that walking out verse. <laughs> 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 like, like, though, you know, that was like, like oh six, yeah, and, and that's a, and that's my thing too. It's just like also I think Drake gets a lot of credit for being great and rightfully deserved, but partially it's because he rhymes like an East Coast dude. Mm. Yeah, like you know he has a ton of like the Southern slang and all that shit. Yeah, but he bars people down. Yeah, right. We, we associate that with yes the East Coast. Yes. Yeah. So we associate that with the idea that like, oh, that's how like that's how you should be rapping. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, you know, Thug is more like Bone Thugs and Harmony or, you know what I mean? Like he's that melodic shit. More melodic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he's not like, you know, giving you bars for bars for bars for bars for bars. Like, you know, people look at it and go like, oh, well, you know, like Dre's. Dre's a Dre's a goat. Like, how does this dude ever disrespect a goat? And it's like, hey, I, like, I get it. And maybe he just doesn't like Dre's raps. Like, yeah. maybe he was much more into other shit. Like, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember when Lupe got a lot of shit for saying, like, yeah, I wasn't a big Tribe fan. Mm-hmm. And it's he like, gotta okay. love Tribe. I love Tribe. Yeah, I love he Tribe gotta too. Gotta love Tribe. Like, no, yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. Like, listen, I've said this on this podcast. I'm not the biggest EPMD fan. Like, I like EPMD. <laughs> My heart just sank. <laughs> <laughs> I like EPMD. I love EPMD a, so much. I love a lot of EPMD records, but I'm not like, yo, EPMD is the greatest group to ever be a group. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the same way, like, yo, Run DMC is groundbreaking. Love Run DMC. <laughs> you you <laughs> name it, all the niggas I've been listening to, like, all week. <laughs> and I love Run DMC. I love, but, like, come on, man. Peter Piper picked the pack of it. Like, dog, we're not talking about, like, they're barring yeah. everybody down, man. <laughs> For that time, they were. For, ex- but listen, exactly. I'm not saying they're, like, bad i'm saying yeah for their time they were great and they were groundbreaking in so many ways and they're super important to hip-hop like you know what i mean so i'm not discrediting anything that they would be as far as like far as it goes for hip-hop but at the same time yeah i probably put outcast as a in my tier of my favorite groups Mm -hmm. is ahead of run dmc and EPMD. And right. that's not because I hate them, just because I like this better. Yeah. You can like other shit. Like this idea that we have to have this monolith of, yo, these people can never be have any critic you know, anything words criticizing them. You know, I've had I've had people come at my neck hard over my opinions on Nas. Yeah, yeah. And 
I've also said Illmatic is better than any Beatles record, period. <laughs> like, and I still have people go like, yeah, well, you don't, you know, but you don't think you know, Nas is a goat. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, no, I have criticisms of them. I think that also, um, one, what I, like, the, the thing that I didn't like that Thug did, he tried to do the, Oh, I don't really know nothing about the ball. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, that's bullshit. Like, get the fuck out of here. You grew up in Atlanta. They were the biggest, they were the biggest fucking group in yeah, the world like, at one point. That's, that's cap. Like, I don't like shit like that. But I think also what's not being discussed in this whole thing, which, you know, Twitter Twitter is not for, you know, nuanced discussion or yes, whatever. Exactly. Internet period ain't for it, dog. Right. Andre's been telling us for years that he don't want to rap no more. <laughs> and I understand that he's brilliant at it, but why do we keep publicly trying to, and I mean like a we, you know, is like a general, general like the hip hop culture. Like why do we keep trying to pressure this cat into doing some shit that he don't want to do no more? He don't want to rhyme. Dog, you know? I saw somebody say, I don't know who this was. And I wish I remembered who it was. I saw somebody on Twitter say this. It might have been one of the homies. I don't remember. Or they might have just retweeted it. But somebody was like, yo, they cannot wait to hear the giant wooden flute disc record that he's going to make toward the... (laughs) And I was like, that's legit. Like, that's what he wants to do. Like, he doesn't want to make records with other people. Like, that's not what he wants to do. Like, he may pop up on a Nas record, but like, you know. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is... It didn't even come out. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, exactly. That didn't even come out, and we don't know exactly why. A lot of people blame Kanye, but like Dre might have been like, "Yeah, I don't want that out." Right. You right. know what I mean? Like we don't know. Because yeah. um, he, he's probably a perfectionist. It's part of part part of, part of the reason why he probably doesn't want to rhyme as much anymore. Because he's just like, "Well, I don't do it on a regular basis, and I don't want to be putting out stuff that isn't up to par as far as I'm concerned." Um, he might have spit that joint and was like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not what I really want and it's not up to the, my level and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he said on multiple occasions, I don't want to rhyme anymore. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to fucking just let him be like, yeah, I don't want to rhyme anymore. You know how you can tell what somebody's like real passion is if they do that shit for free mm-hmm. and, you know, without coercion. That motherfucker want to walk around and play the flute. That's what he loved. He probably (laughs) used to walk around, you know, in uh, 90, 91. He probably walked around rapping. Mm -hmm. Nobody paying him a dime to do it. You know what I'm saying? That's what he want to do. You know what I mean? We have this like, um, which, you know, there's a reason why people are so attached to him as an MC because the shit he was kicking hits you in your brain and it hits you in your heart. That's why people yes. are like, you know, you got you got people. I know motherfuckers who are like too cool for school ass niggas. When Dre was in Philly filming whatever he was filming and people was like catching him on the street and taking selfies. I know too cool for school ass niggas that was like, oh, I take a picture with Dre. You know what I mean? Because niggas love him. Because of mm-hmm. what he put into the world, it was beautiful. But he don't want to do that no more. He don't want to rhyme no more. You know what I mean? So we're like, we're trying to, uh, one, I think there's too much like Monday, not Monday more, um, too much like f- fantasy football shit with rap. 
You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, on the yeah. internet anyway. Like, oh, Doug and, and Dre can do a collaboration. Or who you going to get to do or jump on this or jump on that? I think we do too much of that shit anyway. But, like, why are we, you know, pressing Young Thug about, about doing a record with Andre? Don't neither one of them niggas. They, Young Thug and Andre have made all of their own dreams come true in yeah. this life. If they wanted to do a song together, they could very much do it and make yeah. it fucking happen. Why are we so tight about this shit not happening? And I know I saw some people going like, "Well, in you know 2016, he did nothing, but Drake did not, but he praise on uh, Young Thug." And I'm like, "Great, but again, that doesn't make Young Thug obligated to heap a ton of praise on the on the Drake. It just doesn't. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, I get it. You you want." You love Andre, so you want everybody to love Andre, but that's yeah. not how it works, man. Like it's just not. And the sooner you come to grips with that idea, the better off you'll be because you'll just understand that, like, yo, sometimes some people love these dudes, some people don't love these dudes. Yeah. It happens. You know, if I got like, tight at all the shit that I love, that I felt other people weren't given proper due, I wouldn't get nothing done because I'd be on Twitter. Clapping at people all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I hear yeah. motherfuckers, motherfuckers, I hear people talk shit about rap records that they wasn't even outside for when they came out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People who, you know, were like three years old, four or five years old when some shit was really rocking and I can vividly remember how it rocked in the community and out in the world, they come on and this shit is overrated. And they type it <laughs> in and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm looking like, get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? But I'm not in they mentions because I got shit yeah. to do. Yeah. I though There's the amount of time I spend trying to convince some people, people that I know who I'm friends with, like, yo, this show is so fucking good. You really should watch it. And they're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, I don't want to watch it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, yo, but you don't understand. Like, Fucking, I love the in-betweeners. I've tried to get so many people to watch the in-betweeners and people just go like, yeah, no, just, you know, it sounds great, but I'm not watching it. But like, if I was arguing with people all day about like, fucking show was the best thing that's ever came on TV, like, I'd be like whistling in the wind for no reason. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I, I just look at it like, like you said, dude, if you just keep like yelling at people to have the same point of views that you have or like wanting people to like what you like like tell them about it and if they fucking do it great if not then go on about your day man like yeah i I don't have the energy or time to put into yelling at people to like something that i like you know i i part of me likes the fact that it's you know some shit is niche and like Mm -hmm. it's not gonna reach everybody you know what i mean like it's cool to have other people you know people that like love that show awesome and then you can share that you know what i mean you share that love with somebody else but like i don't need everybody to love everything man it's yeah. just is what it is i didn't hear any disrespect in nah. uh what thug was saying i i did think he did like some little corny shit like oh, i don't really know nothing about the boy like yeah, that's yeah i think i that's think that sometimes i think that's kind of like he kind of got backed into a corner in a sense and just was like, well, no, I just, I don't really ain't ever really fuck with him, period. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I think that's kind of like an ego thing of just being like, kind of got backed into a corner and now he needed to like prove the point that he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, 
Listen, man, I I don't think it was like some wild. He didn't say like, "Yo, Dre's trash," and I would never do a record with him. Right, right. Like, you know, he ain't. You know, he he didn't say some wild. Excuse me, he ain't say no wild disrespectful shit. Listen, if it was Cam, it'd be a whole different story because he would have said some wild disrespectful shit in the middle <laughs> of the interview. <laughs> Yo, we was talking. I can't think of who uh, brought the shit up, but um. I jumped in the thread or whatever. Niggas was talking about Cam, like, being disrespectful. I was like, dog, I remember when Cam said uh, about Nas' mom that she's a whip-wop head. <laughs> you trying to be a hip-hop head? I was like, yo, Cam, if... Man, if a nigga would have rocked Cam <laughs> in that era... <laughs> Understandable, dog. I would have like, yo, it's, it's fucked up. Because <laughs> he, you know, he wasn't engaging people respectfully. You know uh, what I'm saying? Is I that you, Betha? Is that you, Betha? <laughs> Terrible. Someone went, uh, your man got killed. Da, 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 da. You ran out of Harlem. I was like, yo, this dude is fucking out of pocket. None of that happened here. You know what I'm saying? With nah. this young thug shit. It, it didn't see. I didn't take none of this shit as disrespect. Nah, it, it was, like I said, the most disrespectful thing you can take from it is being like, well, he was like, he was dismissive, not disrespectful. Right. And right. again, I think that partially comes down to being like, hey, I'm a, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be um, backed into a corner on this. It's just how I feel. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, also, uh, so we're recording this obviously on Sunday night. Um, uh, last night, um, talk about another like legend and classic and, and, and a goat. You had... Well, you had a Wiz Khalifa concert that started it, <laughs> and then there Always was like, a, then there was like a French Montana concert, <laughs> and then yeah. YG. Uh, I mean, I guess they wanted to give people some kind of like value for the money. Y'all had a lot of niggas rap before this boxing man. I'm, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, like, <laughs> y'all bringing out a lot of people to perform before a boxing match. I remember, you know, niggas are like. I don't know, bring like Red Man or some shit. <laughs> Let's get ready like to bring you out to the ring or something, but you know like what I'm saying these motherfuckers was having like whole shows. Yeah, and then there was shit. a dude that I didn't even know who he was. Like Man. right before Snoot rhymed. I don't even know who that boy was. Like maybe I, knew, I, I knew exactly it. who you talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the Roy Jones Tyson fight. <laughs> yes, Roy Jones Tyson fight. He had like uh, nine rappers on the bill. Yes. Man. Yeah. I was hoping, I was like, listen, both of these dudes in their 50s, they probably trying to get to bed early. So this is not going to be a situation where we up till one o'clock in the morning before the fight start. Like, right. I was like, yo, both of these dudes definitely trying to get the early bird special for uh, breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Like, they not, you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, it was a lot longer than I thought it was supposed to be. Your man Nate Robinson went out there and got stretched by some dude on YouTube. Man, that shit was somehow racist. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck it was, but yeah, I ain't like seeing so did you that see shit the, at all. Did you see the side by side meme of Jake Paul? That's the name, right? Jake Paul? I think so, yeah. Something One like that. Because his brother do this shit too. Yeah. Um, with like the 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 curled arm, 
And then they had the, the Muhammad Ali Jones standing over listed. I was like, that's racist. That's, that's racist. That is fucking racist. <laughs> Y'all can't like, you know, you wanna you wanna do like Apollo Creed and the Russian memes. You know, whatever. That's that's acceptable. Y'all can't be photoshopping this devil <laughs> on the fucking Ali body, yo. That's a hate crime. Straight yeah. up. Yeah, I was like, this is not cool. That's that's yeah. not cool at all. Um, I'll say this. I knew it was going to be a bad day for Nate when Nate came running out of the uh, corner, throwing like <sighs> this was like eighth grade in the in the courtyard or something, dog. Yeah, he was throwing the, t- <laughs> yeah, the he did the, shits. yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. Man, terrible. I'm like, who? Did he train for this? Like... Right. You know you boxing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this ain't the, you know what I mean? This ain't the uh, the uh, broad Auburn pa- uh, Auburn Hills, and uh, and like Man. this is a legit fight. <laughs> Man, the, what was it the Malice at the Palace? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? This is a legit fight, dog. Like, homeboy, you're was not just... fighting the Miami Heat, right? He was just <laughs> sidestepping and rocking him. I was like, this shit is terrible, dog. Terrible. Man, I, I felt bad for my man, and he—I don't think he ever recovered from that first one because that first one caught him like right on his ear, mm-hmm. which probably just fucked his equilibrium all up, mm-hmm. and it was a rat from there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was that was nasty. I don't know, there was a bunch of other dudes. I don't like. I follow like superstars in boxing. I don't follow right, like. Right. Like it ain't. I, I ain't watching the mine. No, I don't want to shout. Out, I don't want to say minor leagues, but like I'm not paying attention to like up and coming boxers. Like yeah. That. yeah. Not like back in the day when, like, you know, I was watching HBO fights and shit like that. I might know some dudes on undercards. Now mm-hmm. I don't really know dudes like that. Yeah. Um. So, like, there was a couple other dudes that I'm like, maybe they're like up and coming names yeah. in, in fight, and I don't really know. I was throwing hands. You look good, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The one, uh, I don't know if he's reeking or whatever, Spanish bull, he looked nice. Um, he dropped that one ball with a body punch. That was nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was a big white ball that got his ass whipped. Oh yeah, he's wearing that yeah, out. I, yeah, he he had the Hasin Rockman joint on his <laughs> on his dome. Like yeah, big up Rockman. <laughs> yeah, he got his shit Rockman like Hasin Rockman. Like, like he. Can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but he, yeah, he definitely, like, he got his ass whipped. I'll give it to him, though. He stood in there and kept taking them shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess why I'll never, like, yo, listen, man, Nate Nate Robinson got his ass whipped, and he ain't look like he should have been in that ring. Mm-hmm. But I'll give him this. It takes a lot of balls to get in it. Yo, when you say, like, yo, I'm going to let motherfuckers punch me in my face. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. You a ballsy motherfucker just to step into that ring, man, yeah. for real. Yeah. Um. But eventually, after like nine rap concerts, um, <laughs> and Snoop Snoop commentary, and Snoop commentary, which is the highlight of the night, and a fucking medley, yes, dog Snoop. I said on Twitter, I was like, "Yo, Snoop doing commentary, and he just came out and rapped his greatest hits." I'm fully expecting this nigga to jump in the ring and rap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Snoop was was he must be like invested. In that weed company, I 
Yeah, and I would not be surprised if he's invested in because uh, it's like Legends League or some shit like that. Like that's what mm. this whole little boxing thing is. I wouldn't be surprised if Snoop's body like part of that. Man, because um, I know they have like Snoop and Tyson have a relationship from way back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know because Pac and him were like super. I mean, it's a Tyson fight that Pac got shot at. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they I know Tyson and him have well, Tyson and Pac were really close, and then I know like him and Snoop were close too. So right. Um, eventually, also side note on the Snoop shit, that jacket he had on that was essentially the like the doggy style, style cover. Like, can he sell those on like a website or something? Right, because I need one. <laughs> you, you got merch? Yeah, like I need that. He probably does though. Yes, he probably and does. Snoop absolutely has merch on his site. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been a legit genius businessman. Like, I'm sure, like, he's probably making way more money off businesses than he is any type of music shit at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so eventually, though, we did get an actual fight between Roy Jones Jr. and um, Mike Tyson. Yeah, we did. Um, I'm going to say this. Shout out to both them dudes. First of all, Mike ain't fighting like 15 years. Mm-hmm. He looked like he had all the fucking energy in the world. And apparently, he blew before the fight. Like, apparently, he was blowing tree before the fight. (laughs) So this nigga could have been twice as fast (laughs) had he not smoked that weed. Man. Um, And shout out to Roy. Roy is a fucking legend in this game. I love Roy Jones. Y'all must have forgot. Listen, what a legend that man was! Come on, he's a legend in two games like Pee Wee Kirkland. Like he had hit, he had a rat record, 100%. not a good one, <laughs> but he had a rat record. It was out there. <laughs> it BT got play on BT. Play. Yeah, <laughs> when he's throwing the hooks in the water and shit. Yeah. I mean, shout out to the homie Note. Note used to do that shit. It used to make me laugh so fucking hard, <laughs> yo. Uh, like he'd be in the water, like throwing yeah. hooks and shit. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> but shout out, dude. Um, my man. <laughs> uh, my man looked a little. Was it just me or he looked a little heavy in the? Oh yeah, in the waist area. Listen, man, oh, I'm not just, listen, good. my man. Yeah, he's fifty some years old. Like I'm not shitting on him. Like I'm not killing him body positivity on the show. I'm just saying, like he looked a little like heavier. Yeah, and like Tyson was heavier. You could tell, especially when they like side profile. You could tell mm-hmm. these dudes aren't. You know, they're not fucking twenty nine years yeah. old, cut like fucking out of marble anymore. Yeah, but Mike, fifty four years old and ain't fighting fucking fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Mike still look fucking nice, dog. Dog, we was watching that joint, and Mike, his speed was unreal to be that old. And I'm almost sure he's pulling. He's not going. Like he, it kept like even when he hit him mm-hmm. a couple times and it was a little nasty. He like tapped him on his side to be mm-hmm. like, "Yo, you good, right?" Like, yeah, he I don't wasn't think he going was trying, to, trying to, to take his head off. No, <laughs> I don't think he was going a hundred percent at no, all. If, I, I think if like if he tried to go 100%, he might have hurt Roy Bay. Knocked him out, yeah. yeah. Because like Tyson, like you said, he was his hand speed is still fucking insane. Mm-hmm. It was, um, they came out... Excuse me. They came out in the first round and Mike threw like a little combination exchange they had. And I gasped at how fast it was. 
and how like potentially vicious it looked. It, it like shocked me. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. And I've watched his, you know, the training videos and him like, you know, hitting the bag yeah. and shit or hitting, you know, like I, I've watched them joints, but seeing him in the ring in real time, clear, throw that, I was like, oh fuck. Wow. <laughs> like for yeah. him to be like, that old. Come on. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong. He gets into the ring with a Deontay Wilder or some shit like that. He ain't going, you know what I mean? But yeah. like, I'm talking about like as a 54-year-old man to be have his hands still be that fast. Yeah. And like after the fight, Rui like looked done. Like, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he looked tired after like the first round. He looked yeah. like shit. He was huffing. And I think like, like oh shit. Yeah, and like I think he was a little bit surprised how strong Mike still was, mm-hmm. and just was like, "Holy shit!" Like this dude still can fucking hit. And yeah. Rui wasn't a heavyweight till super late in his career. That's the so, thing. He, like Mike's he been a heavyweight the that. whole time. Yep. Yep. So I think like that was part of it too. Like you know, he's cage probably carrying more weight than he would ever want to carry in a ring. Like you know what I mean? Like you know, this is an exhibition, so it's not. But yeah. like. After the fight, Mike is like, yeah, he's bouncing with energy. When they're mm-hmm. interviewing both of them after the fight, he's fucking moving side to side, bouncing, got so much energy inside mm-hmm. of him. Roy legit is just standing there with his arms down, mm-hmm. like, I'm fucking tired. Can we go into the back, please? I want to yeah. lay down. Like, God damn. Because Mike hit him a couple times. He says it. He was like, yo, Mike hit me. He's like, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. He hit me in my, he gave me body shots and it took everything out of me. Mm-hmm. Like it's a is that all my energy? Jesus, yeah. And like you could see it, his arms is hanging. Like he'll lift them every mm-hmm. once in a while, but like Mike's moving around, he's animated. He, it looks like he could go for another eight rounds. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Roy sitting there going like, I just want this night to be over. Yeah. With. Like <laughs> I'm tired, dog. Throughout this whole thing, what I noticed was Roy his. Savvy got him out of a lot of that shit. A lot of the mm-hmm. ways that he like angled his body and yes. could like get out, and he was throwing like them jabs, them like unorthodox jabs. He was throwing at Mike. A lot of his like intelligence and like skill got yes. him out of that shit. But like Tyson, with his skill and being able to like get up under him and like combined with the power and the speed it was it, the them calling this as a draw was like uh, gracious to roll yes you know <laughs> i saying? saw the numbers i saw the compu box this morning and it was like tyson landed like three times as many power shots mm-hmm. and like landed like more than double the amount of shots period than uh roy landed yeah. like it was it was a blowout when you look at the numbers right. but like you know, it, it was an exhibition, so it was for fun, and they were raising money. Mm-hmm. And like, that's one thing Mike was talking about after the thing. He was like, "No, I'm I'm trying to like raise money for people. Like, this is what I want to do now." Like, yeah. you know, it was good also to see Mike be like, "No, I had fun doing this, and this was great." And you know what mm. I mean? Because I remember the interview that popped out, um, maybe like six, seven months ago, when he was talking to uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. And he was just like, I feel like I'm useless now. Like I was a trained killer, yeah. and I'm not that no more. Yeah. Um, 
it felt good that like to see him to not feel that way to be like yeah this was fun i like doing it i want to do it again and yeah. but not be like oh no because like when they first thing they asked him is like is the draw okay he was like yeah that's fine with me like i just wanted to get out here and, and mm -hmm. throw hands a little bit and have some fun and raise some money and yeah completely like, like cool with it <clears throat> yeah not feel like Oh, I got fucking robbed. I destroyed this man. Mm -hmm. Like, because remember, Mike is the same dude who said, I want to eat your children. All praise due to our law. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Why you <laughs> them two things together, dog? <laughs> I want to murder this man. I want to eat his children. All praise due to our law. Yeah. Like, a law was looking like, dog, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, fam, I ain't associated with that. that. <laughs> Why you throwing me? Fucking, you know what I mean? Who's this weak? He wasabi, yeah. like you know what I mean? Jesus, man. Um, no, but it felt good. I, I, I like seeing. I, I really love seeing Mike's energy after it just being like, yeah, like you know what I mean? I, I, I you know, I, it was great. I had fun doing it, and like I want to do it again. And <clears throat> like he, like I, legit, he looked like he could go back in the ring right after that fight and be like, yo, I could go throw hands for a little while. Yeah. And like I said, man, listen, he ain't gonna go win the damn heavyweight title or no shit like that, but. At 54 to be in that good shape. Mm -hmm. And like he lost like 50 pounds for the fight. Right. Right. Um, and I remember them saying, like, well, how do you? He was like, oh, if I put my mind to something, I can do it. Just do it. Yeah. I you beat know what that. I mean? And I, I think that's like an awesome message to take from it, too, of being like, you know, he he feels like he can do things. And, and like, I'm, I'm glad to see Mike doing Because, like I said, you watch the interview, you think he's on the verge of a mental break. Mm hmm. Um, and I think maybe this partially kind of gave him something. It kind of gave him a focus to do, too. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You can tell so. that he's kind of on the other side of, like, some dark shit. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. like, I thoroughly enjoyed this shit. You know what I mean? As I was, like, joking on the book, like, oh, I'm sorry. I paid $50 for it. Nigga, $50 ain't nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, like, it was, it was, it was fun. It was cool to mm -hmm. watch. You know what I'm saying? I grew up on Mike. Roy, of course, is like one of the greatest, you know what I'm saying? Snoop killed it all throughout the night with like the jokes and the commentary and shit. I'm like thoroughly glad that I like Yeah, I was entertained. Completely yeah. entertained. Listen, can we cut like one or two of the rappers out of there next time? Yeah. Yes. Or get but, better rappers? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. You yeah. know what I mean? And I also like I think if you do this, like, you know, listen, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so they, there's no crowd there and all that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. I think if there's a crowd there and you're getting, like, a lot... I think that's part of the problem with some of the performances, too, is, like, you're just not getting any energy because you just got, like... Listen, man, it is what it is, but a lot of rappers are not great performers. Mm -hmm. Like, they rely so much on crowd energy to, like, give them feedback and energy. And they ain't really have that. You got a, a dude just walking around. I was like, I love French Montana, but like the energy level was like super low because there's just nothing to feed off of. Right. Um. So I think like with a crowd, like, could you imagine that shit if there was a crowd there last It'd night? It would have been crazy. It would have been, been crazy. Nuts. It would have been nuts. So like, I I think like, you know, in six months they do that shit again and Tyson's fighting somebody else or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think you definitely like in six months, hopefully like vaccines out here and we can have some kind of crowd there. Yeah. Like that shit's at the Mandalay Bay in, in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Pop. It's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like Zab Judah or somebody on the undercard. Yeah. Pop like it. It, it's crazy. You could have had a, a it would have been an amazing show. And I think 
Um, I'm legit like, yo, I, I'll I'll watch the next one, no doubt. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'll watch yeah. the next one. I was thoroughly entertained. I have fun with it. One of the things I do love, one of the things I really love about like Twitter, social media in general, is this shared experience we get to have. Mm-hmm. It's something we get with verses as well. And like yep. this shared experience is like we're all sitting there or like an NBA game or some shit like that. We're just a shared experience that we're having together. Especially right now, I think I think I feel it more now than I ever felt it before. Simply because we're not like we can't go to a fucking bar and watch a game or something, right? Right. You know what I mean. So like we're getting to share this experience socially, but not have to be interact, not have to be out socially with people. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we don't fucking spread viruses around. So hundred percent. Right. Um, we should probably hop into our last break before we get into our um our record reviews for the week or. Talk about the albums that we were listening to this week. Let's do it. Hello, lovelies. This is Arden Marine, and you may know me from Chelsea Lately or Shameless, or more recently as Regina Sinclair on Insatiable on Netflix. I want to tell you about my podcast, Will You Accept This Rose, where we recap all the seasons of the Bachelor franchise, and we are very excited to talk about the new season of The Bachelor with Matt James. Each episode, we bring in amazing celebrity guests, and we have a bunch of amazing guests planned to cover this season with us, including Lance Bass, Ashley I from The Bachelor franchise. Paget Brewster, Doug Benson, Jerry Trainer, Rob Benedict, Lauren Lapkus, Brian Safi, Ross Matthews, Kate Micucci, Scott Ackerman, Miles Gray, Lacey Mosley, Michelle Collins, and more. If you watch the Bachelor franchise, you're going to love hanging with us while we get into the hot details of the show. You may have other choices in Bachelor podcasts, but none that are this funny, and we are truly fans. Catch our episodes every Wednesday and listen to Will You Accept This Rose on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us on this love journey. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Boom, right back in effect. Um, so yeah, a, a great friend of the podcast, the homie in general, uh, the best MC in the city of Philadelphia, our friend Reef the Lost Cause released a record this week with the producer Dumb High, who's also very, very fucking dope. It's called The mm-hmm. Airing of Grievances. Uh, based on the uh, Seinfeld uh, inside joke. And yeah, this shit is like, obviously, like, you know, like I said, Reef's dope, Dumb High's dope. Like, they've been uh, making music together for a long time, and this shit is, like, really fucking strong. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Um, First, it's nice and short, seven records, you know what I mean? Like, get in and get out, you know. Yes, um, he and I, he specifically said something to me before, like, yo, you're gonna love it because it's only like seven records, it really is. Um, so. Uh, but no, it's a super dope project. Um, I really enjoyed it. The Brother Moves On joint that uh, 
that uh, he released a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. is fucking insane. With Ethel C. Um, who's fucking with Ethel dope. C. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, wait, do you have a track list? I'm about to pull a track list and up. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I should have did that. Um, Emerald City is crazy with side effects. Side I, effect. I, I don't. I don't think I was, I've heard like side effect in a while. But yeah, his verse is crazy on this shit. Yeah. Yeah, Emerald City is like my favorite record mm-hmm. on here. That's my favorite record on here. Um, I like Revelations and Cold Weather Kids too. I mean, I like the whole project, period. Um, yeah, but Emerald City is my favorite record on here. They getting busy on this shit. Yeah. Um, Reef is always bringing it lyrically, um, no doubt. He's a monster on the mic, man. Like, <clears throat> insane. Um uh, he's uh, such a, he, I mean, he's such a beast as far as lyrically. Um, obviously, this record isn't like as personal as the last record. Um, mm. The last record was much more personal and like um, a different vibe. But again, like we talked about earlier with the roots, like changing and evolving and all that, like this is a bar you down record. Yeah. Like, and he was bringing it and it's fucking amazing. The record is flat out amazing. Um, uh, and it's available on uh, Bandcamp. Uh, it's the only place he's gonna release it is on Bandcamp, at least for, for a while. It'll probably be the only place it lives is on Bandcamp. Bandcamp is the shit, yo. Bandcamp helped a lot of motherfuckers get through, you know, this pandemic. A lot of musicians uh, have been releasing music specifically for Bandcamp because, like, you get they take like a little fee or whatever, but you mainly get all of your money, all of the shit. I put out. Uh, I put out like three or four. I put out three and then one thing that's not really a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So really, I put out three during quarantine all on uh, Bandcamp. You know what I'm saying? Because like it's, it's the 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 pay model is more beneficial to artists than like a Spotify or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Apple or Which whatever. Which is essentially not paying people. <laughs> like... This person tweeted uh, earlier today or yesterday. They said, uh, I had a song that was streamed hundreds of thousands. I can't think of the exact number, but like hundreds of thousands of streams. And they sent her a check for like $20 or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, how is that even how is that even allowed? Yeah, the game, as far as that shit, is just, like, insane. Like, you can't make money doing that. So, like, the idea of, like, a band camp is awesome for artists um, to allow themselves to, like, make some kind of money from their music. Yeah. You know what I mean? A correction. The person, I just looked up the tweet. The person says, Spotify gave me a $2.25. Spotify gave me $2.25. For a song that I wrote that was streamed on their platform a hundred and twenty five thousand times. Yeah. How the fuck so is like, that fair? Even if you say like, well, you know, the same person that like the money you would have made just selling that single on Bandcamp for a dollar mm-hmm. for maybe, you know, even if it's like twenty five thousand people who listen to hit that person, that artist a bunch of times. 
they would have made twenty five. You know, they would have made like close. You know, twenty thousand dollars after like Bandcamp took their money or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like way more than the two dollars they got paid from fucking Spotify. Right. Um. So yeah, I, uh, you know, Bandcamp is a good resource for um, artists, and I, I'm glad to see a lot more people going and using that resource. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, definitely check out uh, the airing of grievances by Reef the Lost Cause on Bandcamp. Um, go support. It's crazy um, too. Like Reef be coming with like because he did this with the last album. He be coming at like the end of the year, yeah, with, <laughs> with like some fly shit. Like you know, as a journalist, you know everything is like, oh, end of the year, get your listen, get your listen, and everything. I turned in all my lists for every everybody that I write for, and Reef mm-hmm. come with the the hail mary, dope shit at the end of the year. Yeah, let, the last record I think he brought out like two weeks left in the year. <laughs> like you know what I mean? I like, remember it was that definitely shit. like. Matter of fact, it came out on, on the episode we did our year end list. Oh, it came wow. out that week, mm-hmm. and so like we talked about it, but like we didn't get a chance to like make it part of our list because it came out after. Um, it came out after we had already done our list. In fact, we just had a um, turn in list for another podcast that we're going to be featured on. Yeah, and and I, I wasn't able to put anything like because the next record we're going to talk about it's up there for me as far as top five for the year. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even like register it as far as like maybe it's going to be on this this thing. It'll be something maybe we talk about on our shit. Yeah. Um. But also, uh, the artist Young's Teflon. Uh, so if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a fucking huge Young's Teflon fan. Or, um, he's my favorite grime rapper, whatever uh, rapper out of England, uh, out of London. Like he's my favorite rapper from overseas. I love, I love dude. Um, and uh, he released a record this week called Call of Duty Three. Um, he's got like a Call of Duty mixtape mm-hmm. series, essentially. Um, this is the third one. Um, it's fucking bananas, man. It's so so good. Um, shout out to the homie S S West who we interviewed on this podcast. He he has like him and uh, L's the poorhouse. Uh, they have like four tracks on here, five tracks on here. Mm. Um, and uh, also side note, S uh for new, his new stuff, they're dropping a video Tuesday, I think. Nice. Um, for some stuff that uh, he had sent me. Um, it's super dope, so I'm excited to see it. Um, but so Young's released this project, uh, and there's some stuff like he, he dropped a couple singles, like El Clasico was out, Alpo was out, Double Dose was out, um, Old Trafford he released last week. So like some of these songs like have been floating around for like a couple months, mm-hmm. a couple weeks. Um, they're all dope. Um, uh, the joint Double Dose with Tiny Boost is insane. Um, John Cold Harbor Lane is crazy. Um, uh, Old Trafford's dope. But, I mean, he's talking about Manchester United Stadium. I mean, like, you know, he roots for the wrong team. <laughs> roots for the wrong club. You know, it's not his fault that he's not an Arsenal supporter. But it is what it is. Um, he's got a record on here uh, called um, Ruler 2 with Dave, who is, if you're not familiar with uh, UK rappers... Um, he played Modi on Top Boy. Oh shit! Work. Oh, so like the last season of Top Boy, he played the dude Modi. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's also a rapper. He's dope. Really, really dope. Um, and this song Ruler Two, <sighs> fucking bananas, yeah. dog. Ain't like 
I listened to this song maybe like five, six times the other mm. day. Like it's so good. Don't man. you love that shit so when like good. some shit hits you, you just gotta keep Yeah. Keep rewinding I, that shit. Dog, I listened to this shit like five times. I fucking love this song, dog. Yeah. Love this song. And like as much as I love, like I said last week, uh Wave Blues might be my favorite song of the year. Mm. I don't know. This joint in Wave Blues is in the ring rumbling for that Yo, shit. Nice. Um, it's really, really a good record. He And one thing I don't think he gets enough credit for is he's an insane storyteller. Mm. Um, and this record on here called Top Boy is a fucking another. Like he had a joint called a Leon, the last record he did. Like that joint was insane. And he had like the Nas tribute that gave you power tribute. Mm-hmm. That's like a storytelling record that's crazy. And this joint Top Boy is the same way. Like insane storytelling ability. Dude, I mean, I, I just think dude is a monster, man. And if I get more and more people to listen to him, like it's like we talked about before. Like I'ma tell people all the time, listen to the dude. If you listen to him, awesome. And we'll share like a little, you know what I mean, inside thing. But like, hey man, I can't help you if you don't want to listen to dope shit. Yeah. This dude is a monster, man. Yeah. I, and like I, I like I want to tell as many people as I can, like, listen to this dude, because he's a fucking beast. Word. So Call of Duty 3 by Young's Teflon. It's available on all streaming platforms, everything, YouTube, all that shit. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. You know what I mean? Um, but he's a, he's a monster. And like, you know, dig into the back catalog too because he's a beast. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, we can start rapping. Wow. Um, uh, so first first things first, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Serious Rap Shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're John the Liberator at Serious Rap Shit. I am Indie underscore SRS at Instagram and Twitter. So you can find us on both those places. Uh, if you're listening to this in the Apple Podcast app, you can rate review us right in app. It's really easy, really simple, and really helps us out. So please do that. Um, like and subscribe. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube. Um, we have the YouTube channel, Serious Rap Shit Podcast. We post video every week. Um, we're gonna have a lot more stuff coming. A uh, lot more video stuff. Yeah, we got working. We're working some shit out right now, and it's gonna. I'm really excited about like what we're gonna be doing soon. Mm-hmm. Um, on the video side, um, uh, we have seriousrapshit.com where you can go get some merchandise. Uh, get you a hoodie, get you a t-shirt. We got some new shit coming. Um, listen, grab the uh the logo tees and hoodies now. Cause <laughs> we're gonna be, we got a new logo get ready come. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so grab, cause that's gonna be limited edition shit. That's gonna be out of print soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we gotta switch all grab that, that shit, shit as you can. Yeah. Um. Uh. And um. Oh, go to your Bandcamp page. You have uh-huh. a new instrumental record that you just released not too long ago called Home. Yep, South Philly Home. Yeah, and yes. it's on uh. My band camp. I always feel like I can never uh, pull my band camp uh, name that quickly. But yeah, it's John Morrison two one five dot bandcamp dot com. I got a bunch of yes, and you beat tapes you got a bunch of shit. stuff up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memorabilia is up there. Um, uh, so go go there. Go patronize my man. It's also in our uh, link tree on um, on uh, Serious Rap Shit um, Instagram. It's right in there. Yeah. Um, so you can go on there. Go. Uh, we don't. We don't promote your stuff enough. Like we need to do that. Um, also, go buy the book, um, the ebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's in the link tree as well, and then it's all over your page. 
Um, go buy all those books because they're all. I'm really interested to read they're all. Really of them. fucking good. They're really fucking good. All of them. Uh, maybe what we'll, we'll, like in the, in the next few weeks we might think about trying to grab you know get some of those authors to hop on yeah on the podcast definitely. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. I think that's it, man. Oh, the Boss Ice T-shirts and hoodies are still available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I don't believe Biden's gonna abolish ICE in the first hundred days, so we need to still help raise some money for these families and uh, with some legal aid. So go purchase uh, an abolish ICE uh, hoodie or T-shirt. Uh, also, you know, shop local, shop black-owned, shop indigenous-owned. Mm-hmm. Holiday seasons here. Try to support those kind of things. Don't need to give fucking Bezos any more money. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, yo. We'll be back next week. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Serious Rapture is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Hello, lovelies. This is Arden Marine, and you may know me from Chelsea Lately or as Regina Sinclair on Insatiable. I want to tell you about my podcast, Will You Accept This Rose, where we recap all the seasons of the Bachelor franchise, and we are very excited to talk about the new season of The Bachelor with Matt James. We chat about it with celebrity guests, including Lance Bass, Doug Benson, and Lacey Mosley. Catch our episodes every Wednesday and listen to Will You Accept This Rose on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us on this love journey. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.